Hello and welcome to the Not Just a Lawyer podcast. This is episode six and I am touching on the interesting subject that is personal injury law. Now, there is a lot of legal theory behind personal injury law. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm just going to go into some of the practicalities. But this is an area of law that so much could be said about. I'm just going to be scratching the surface today. I'm recording today on the lands of the Ngunnawal people of Canberra and I pay my respects to their elders past and present and those emerging leaders. So today I'm going to be talking about personal injury law and it's a really broad subject. First let me tell you what is personal injury. Well it can be a physical injury that happens to you or it can be a mental injury. Now the law has a quaint term for this uh, that it sometimes uses. That term is nervous shock and you know when you hear the word nervous shock you might think of someone fanning themselves uh, or passing out and requiring the smelling salts but when we talk about nervous shock these days we are talking about things that are more akin to depression, anxiety, Um, significant distress, things like post-traumatic stress disorder. And I'm talking really broadly, so don't pin me down as though these are the exact legal definitions that you'd need to use to make out a claim. I'm, of course, not giving you legal advice. And can I say before I go on further, if you think that you might have a claim, you should talk to a lawyer about it. And there is a really excellent reason for that. There's a few, but the main one is that sometimes your injuries are going to have a limitation period attached to them. That means there's going to be a period of time where you can no longer bring a claim. And so if you're thinking about it and you're not sure, you should get legal advice immediately. The other reason is that oftentimes when you are making a personal injury claim, you will be dealing with someone much more powerful than yourself. So you might be dealing, for example, with someone who's represented by an insurer. That's going to be the case if you are dealing with, for example, injuries arising out of a car accident or injuries arising in a workplace. And there are different schemes that apply to different types of injuries. And there are different things that you need to do for each scheme. And that is why I would say, go and see a lawyer, protect your rights. But what is personal injury law? Well, I've mentioned that it is an area of law that deals with personal injuries, which I've said can be physical or mental. The flip side of personal injury law is an area of law called insurance law. Now, insurance law is just a fairly quaint way of saying those are the lawyers who act for the defendants in insurance, uh, in personal injury claims. And you'll notice I just fluffed and said the word insurance. That is because mostly defendants in personal injury claims, that is the people who are being sued, mostly their claims are actually run by their insurers. So why is this? Well, I don't want to get too deep into it, but when you take out a policy of insurance, you allow your insurer to step into your shoes and defend your matter. So theoretically, you might be the defendant in a matter. You might think, "Uh uh-huh, I probably did do the wrong thing. Um, You might want it to be over and done with, but actually you need to let your insurer run it. That's often the case. If you're in that position, you should get some legal advice or at least talk in depth with your insurer or their lawyers if you're not sure about anything. Now, personal injury law is based on certain values. There are different values that are floating around, okay? So, personal injury law is based on the value 
that restitution should be given if someone does me harm. If I didn't deserve that harm, if I was doing nothing wrong, I didn't contribute to it in any way, I was just going about my day and someone else was negligent and I got hurt, well, the value underpinning our personal injury law is that that person should do what they can to put me back in the position I would have otherwise been in. And a value underpinning that is that money is a way that this can be done. There are other ways to look at personal injury and what the appropriate outcomes should be. But what you need to understand is that currently our legal system is set up based on the value that money might be able to provide at least some compensation to help someone get back to the state that they were in before the injury. Now, what does this mean? Well, let's pretend I'm a plumber and I'm walking through a shopping center and I'm keeping a reasonable lookout. I'm not being inattentive. I'm just walking around like normal. I'm not on my phone and through no fault of my own, I slip. As it turns out, the ceiling has been leaking. The owners knew about it, but it was too expensive to fix. I fall over and I hurt myself. I absolutely stack it and I break my arm. So for a while, I can't do my job. It involves manual tasks. It involves using tools. It involves some lifting. It involves getting into cramped spaces where I need to balance. I need my arm for that. So I'm losing income. I'm suffering what's known as economic loss. And I'm also in pain. And as it turns out, I need surgery to put a pin in my arm. So on top of economic loss... I require medical treatment. I might need my spouse to help me around the home or my kids, or I might need to hire a professional service to help me. Maybe I can't brush my hair or put my clothes on or shower myself or do the washing, the cleaning, etc. There are a lot of things that are impacted because of this injury that I've had. On top of getting repaid for expenses, at the moment, the court looks at least in the Australian Capital Territory, to another type of pain and suffering. So on top of your actual expenses, the court tries to assign a number for something called general damages. And that general damages is for your pain and suffering. And quite often um, you'll get a lump sum that is calculated based on the level of pain and suffering that it is seen you have undergone. For example, if you require surgery, your level of pain and suffering is often recognised as being higher than someone who has a soft tissue injury. And the way the courts calculate that at present is to look at other matters that have been before the courts, what was awarded in those, and they try and give a fair and fairly consistent outcome. So, as I said, this is underpinned on the value the value judgment that money can compensate me for harm that I've suffered and can try and put me back in the position I was in before. So the three main categories that we're often looking at are economic loss, um, reimbursement for medical and other expenses, and also pain and suffering. And as I said, it's a value judgment. You may disagree that any of these uh, funds can put someone back in the position they were in before the injury. I want to play devil's advocate 
I spent a long time as an insurance lawyer, that is, a person acting for the insurers and defendants in personal injury matters. So I've done a lot of work on that side, but let me play devil's advocate uh, and put myself in the shoes of an injured person. Now, I think that if I were able through money to have some control over my medical treatment and what I want to do moving forward with my life, I think that if I were in that position, I would want access to compensation. I cannot think of another means of moving forward that would practically speaking put me back in the same position. Uh, Not with the way services are provided today. I think I would like free choice um, in deciding who my doctors would be um, and in deciding what treatment I thought was appropriate. Because for example, maybe I'm someone who is a plumber who is not very susceptible to having mental harm arising out of the accident. Maybe I slipped and fell and mentally I'm fine. But then my friend who's also a plumber, maybe he slipped. He slipped next to me. He was walking next to me. He was similarly looking out, being good, not on his phone. He stacked it as well. Uh, He broke his leg. He needed surgery and all that. But maybe he'd previously um, been in a car accident and broken his leg already. And maybe he just took this whole thing a lot harder than I did. Maybe he had a mental susceptibility um, to being really upset by this and he experienced depression, um, had a lowered libido, lost weight, his quality of life was significantly diminished, his outcome was really different to mine. Well, I would want him to be able to make decisions for himself um, about the kind of treatment that he needs and I wouldn't want that to be curtailed by what someone else thought he required. What I'm getting at here is that sometimes when you're involved in a personal injury matter, you are sometimes reimbursed along the way by the insurer because they think, yep, this person's probably going to succeed down the track in their claim. So we will pay for things that we think we're definitely liable for. Where disputes crop up, that's often in situations like invisible injuries, so mental injuries. Maybe the insurer or the defendant doesn't think that the person who's been harmed really suffers from those because you can't objectively measure them a lot of the time. It's not like having a broken leg and being able to point at it. These are invisible injuries. I've seen this in my legal career often arise as well with people who have soft tissue injuries and a lot of pain. These injuries may not show up on imaging like an x-ray or an MRI. Uh, but yet they still have this pain that they subjectively feel that's really debilitating. And often um, they're not believed. And it's really difficult because I can understand. I've stood in the shoes of a an insurance lawyer. That was my job for a long time. And you think, well, gosh, like, do we believe this person? Uh, do we have any reason not to believe this person? Are there any other things that we can look at to try and corroborate what they're saying or disprove it? So oftentimes people who have injuries and are in the court process um, or even just contemplating how to move ahead, um, it is definitely in their best interests to seek legal advice because a lot of the time people actually get lawyers because they run up against these roadblocks. Um, They are getting some treatment that they need, but then they, they need treatment, for example, for an invisible injury and they can't persuade the insurer to give it to them on their own. 
And oftentimes people do deal with insurers um, just as individuals. They're, they're going along okay, but then they reach this kind of roadblock with an invisible injury. And that is often when people will consult a lawyer. And rightly they should because um, it is really important in my view for people to be able to get the treatment that they need and sometimes our system isn't quite geared up to be smooth about giving people that treatment so as an overview of what i've said there are lawyers who act for injured people and that's often called personal injury law there are lawyers who are on the flip side of that coin they're often called insurance lawyers and they tend to act for defendants and insurers. And who are those defendants and insurers? Well, I mentioned before, it might be someone who insures your motor vehicle or an employer. Um, it might be someone who owns a building that you are walking in. There are lots of different types of defendants and insurers out there, just as there are lots of different types of plaintiffs. I've also said that the value underpinning our system is that money can make things right. And in my view, well, it can't make things right, but it certainly can give injured people more of a choice and more empowerment about how to move forward. There are some things that people will never, ever, ever recover from, but my personal view is that it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try in the fairest way that we have available to us. It may be that in the future we develop better ways of doing this and I look forward to those. But in the meantime, I think that personal injury law and having lawyers out there who act for injured people and also lawyers out there who uphold the interests of the defendants and insurers in these matters to keep things fair, I think that is a very important part of access to justice in Australia and the rule of law. As I've said previously, it is well and good for us to have laws that we all abide by and are subject to, but it's absolutely no good if we can't access our rights. That leads me on to the very last topic of this podcast, which is what the heck is no win, no fee? No win, no fee might mean exactly that, or it might be a case of read the fine print. But broadly speaking, Lawyers who advertise that they act on a no-win, no-fee basis will generally absorb the legal costs of your matter up to a certain point. They'll absorb your costs until you are successful, and when you succeed, you will then have to pay them. You might be lucky and go to a firm that also has the capacity to absorb your disbursements. Now, what is a disbursement? Well. For example, let's look at me, the plumber. One of my disbursements might be getting a report from an orthopedic surgeon to say, well, this plumber's leg is healed and they can go about their business or this plumber's leg has healed, but they're probably going to get arthritis. So um, they have a bit of a loss of function and a loss of quality of life. All right. These reports are really important to help negotiate an appropriate outcome if things can be done outside of court or to help the court make a decision about what a fair outcome is. Equally, my hypothetical friend, the male plumber, perhaps he needs a report from a treating psychologist or from a forensic psychologist to outline what the effect has been mentally upon him of this accident and to explain to the court where it fits and what kind of impairment he might have or what his prognosis is. So those things are disbursements. Some law firms 
have big enough bank accounts to absorb those along the way as well. But you will find that most no-win, no-fee firms can't do that. So you do need to bear in mind that you're likely to have to shell out some funds along the way for appropriate reports. Down the track, if you succeed, the defendant will generally have to pay for those. But it isn't strictly no win, no fee, nothing comes out of my pocket. And that's something that's really important to know. And what I would say is that if you're looking into a no win, no fee arrangement, you need to read the contract carefully and it would not hurt to get independent legal advice to make sure that what you're signing is in your best interests. That is not to disparage no win, no fee firms. I think they're an extremely important way to let the average person access justice when they are injured. There are other things that your lawyers will tell you about legal costs that pertain to the other side in the matter. For example, could you be on the hook for a defendant's legal costs if you don't succeed? Generally, the answer to that is going to be yes. And that's something that if you're looking at a personal injury claim, engaging lawyers in a court, you need to be mindful of. But again, I don't give legal advice here, but I highly recommend that you get some. In summary, if you've been injured and you think that it might be because someone else has done the wrong thing, you should talk to a lawyer and find out what your rights are. Second, the value that money can make things a bit better underpins our legal system of personal injury. Third, no win, no fee is a great way to get access to justice for the average person. However, there are strings attached and you should get legal advice about them. Thank you so much for listening to the Not Just a Lawyer podcast. Everything I've talked about today comes from my experience as a lawyer in the Australian Capital Territory in Australia. If you live in the ACT or another state or territory and you have any legal questions arising, you should contact a lawyer who operates in your legal jurisdiction. It's really important to get the right advice from a competent and qualified person to ensure that your legal rights are protected. Thanks so much for listening.